You're listening to the Candid Confidence Podcast. I'm your host, Leah Pardee. I'm a spiritual life and business mentor, helping you create a life of freedom and purpose. On this podcast, we chat all things mindset, spirituality, and entrepreneurship. My job is to teach you how to believe in yourself, connect to yourself spiritually, and go after your big dreams. Girl, let's do the damn thing. Hey there, welcome back to the Canon Confidence Podcast. We have a great episode today. I interviewed Veronica Grant, who is a love coach, and we talked about inner child healing and lots of super important things. And it's a very real conversation that we had. So I think you're going to absolutely love it. Before we dive in, though, I wanted to let you guys know about Soul Escape Sedona. This is my spiritual retreat. The first time I'm hosting a spiritual retreat that is open to the public. Anyone can sign up who is interested in a five-night mindfulness and breathwork experience. So we're going to be in a secluded place in Sedona. We're going to have a pool. We're going to have a private chef cooking vegan and gluten-free meals for us all week long. We are going to do breath work every single morning and guided meditations. We have the ability to hike right from our front door. Um, There's a creek right in the backyard. Just so many things that I love about this property. And it's truly a mindfulness escape. So the idea is limited social media use, limited cell phone use, really a time to go inward. Um, and connect with some like-minded individuals as well. So enrollment is now open. I'm going to post a link in the show notes. It is September 18th to 23rd, and I am just so excited to see who signs up, and I can't wait to hang out with you in beautiful, sunny Sedona, Arizona. September is the perfect time of the year to go, so I can't wait. Hope you enjoyed this episode. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the show. I have a very special guest here today. We're going to talk all about love and relationships and dating, and it's going to be such a good one. I have Veronica Grant with me today, and she is a love coach for successful women who feel like they have it all except love. Through her binge-worthy podcast, The Love Life Connection, free challenges and coaching, she's here to shake up how do you find love even in our swipe right, swipe left world. After years of one date wonders and non-committal relationships, she finally cracked the code in love and helps her clients around the world do the same. Welcome to the show, Veronica. I'm so happy to have you here. Thanks so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. Yay. Cool. Let's dive in. I'm so excited to hear more about your journey. So how did you become one of the go-to coaches for women who are looking for love? What's your journey? Tell us your story. Yeah. So I started actually as a health coach. Um, I think probably a lot of coaches do. And I actually, so I have to talk about, you know, body image in order to get to, you know, how I ended up doing what I'm doing today. So I really struggled with body image for I mean, I went on my first diet, I think when I was 10 years old, 11 years old, it was sixth grade, however old you are in that grade. Um, And I just learned from, I mean, of course I didn't, I wasn't aware of it then, but looking back now, I know that I learned that I could get attention and I could get, um, um, yeah, attention, which I mistaked as loved from both the women in my family, but then also boys who later became men (laughs) based on what I looked like. And so my body became something, you know, really important to me, not in the sense of like, oh, it's my vessel and nourish and all that kind of stuff, but more in the sense of like, oh, this is how I can get the things that I want in my life and in my relationships specifically. 
And so it's not surprising then that I had a difficult time attracting, you know, healthy, emotionally available partners because I was only able to connect on this very shallow thing. So of course, friends with benefits or um, people who just didn't really take me seriously, you know, in terms of love and relationships. And so once I really began to look at that part of my life and heal that, then that just kind of sent me off on this um, spiritual journey where I often say I came home to myself and along the way I met my husband. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I started as a health coach because I wanted to help others with body image uh, because that had just been such a big part of my life. And I mean, to be totally honest, it just wasn't fun. (laughs) I hated doing it. I would, you know, be sitting on my computer Wednesday nights. I usually would send my blog out Thursday mornings and I'd be like, oh my God, I don't know what to write. And so I was working with a business and a life coach at the time. And I was telling her we're just unpacking like my childhood and old stories. So she knew about my issues around body image and my struggle with relationships. And at the same time, I was hearing from a lot of women in my community that they wanted to date, but they wanted to lose weight first, or they didn't want to have sex with their husbands because their husbands were skinnier than them, or they didn't want to date when they looked like this or felt like this. And that just began to set some, you know, just some bells off in my head. I'm like, hmm, something seems a little backwards here. Something feels a little off. And so with my business and life coach, we were talking, well, maybe I should just switch to being like a dating confidence coach. I think that's what my original or dating health coach. I don't know. I think that was originally my, my title that I gave myself. And I announced to my community that I was going to be focusing more on this in my, in my business. And people are like, yes, please. (laughs) And ever since then I've been, I've been doing this work and my approach is really focused on the deep work. Um, I don't really care if you have a profile, what platform you're on or what app you're on. I don't really care what your profile says within reason. What I care more about is, uh, what's going on on the inside, because that's going to affect who you attract, the kind of relationship that you're able to be in. And if we have any kind of core wounding, which we all do because we're all human, as far as I know, uh, then we have to look at that so that we can attract the deeper kind of love and relationships that that we want. So I always say, you know, you can get better at texting or flirting or writing awesome profiles. Like you can do that. And I'm sure you're going to have more dates and I'm sure you're going to have more sex, but that's just dates and sex. That has nothing to do with mm-hmm. deep love. Right. Yeah. And at that level to find the guy, it wouldn't be probably satisfying because the deep wounds would still be there. And so we looking for something more. Exactly. Exactly. We'll just keep playing them out and we can play them out in any number of ways, but we'll just keep playing them out until we deal with them. Yeah. That's so interesting. I feel like it's like that with so many things, like you mentioned with like the even pivoting in your business, like in our, even with a business coach, it's like, you can look at surface level things like strategies, but you got to go deeper if you want to make real changes that are going to help you build a satisfying business. It's Oh, hundred percent. I mean, I always tell my clients like, look, like, you know, cause sometimes they'll come to me and they're interested in working with me and they're like, well, I really want to focus on this and not just relationships. And I'm like, honestly, you could take everything I say and replace the word love or relationships with whatever area in your life you want to grow, whether it's health or career or money, because ultimately it's all about you. So like my big secret in my coaching is yes, it's about the dating and relationships, but it's also nothing about the dating and relationships. Yeah. Yeah. That's so interesting. So what are some of the biggest struggles that you see women having with dating and relationships in today's world? Like what are some of the biggest struggles? So I think the biggest thing is various forms of people pleasing. 
Mm. Yeah. And I think this comes from two different pieces. So when we're looking at our core wounding, we have to look at two different areas. The first thing we have to look at is our upbringing and our own family lineage and how we were raised and also what we saw. So if you were raised in a house where it wasn't okay to be angry or it wasn't okay to basically be anything other than happy and easygoing. And what I mean by okay was, is were you punished if you were angry or were you told that you were wrong to feel a certain way? Like if you were feeling sad about something or mad about something. So those are ways in which we get programmed into, oh, I should just be happy. I should just be grateful. I should just be, you know, fill in the blank of whatever a positive emotion we're talking about here. So there's that, but then that also happens on the wider scale in the society that we live in. You know, despite all the advances of women over the past, you know, hundred, however many years, we still very much live in a patriarchal society, right? It's the same reason why men can go out and sleep with a bunch of women and that's cool, but then women do that with men and all of a sudden they're a slut, right? So so we still have these undertones of patriarchy that I think play out. You know, think about all these obituaries or um, eulogies for women who pass on. And it's always about like how they put everyone else first and they were so selfless and blah, 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 as if like that's some sort of like trope to be proud of. And look, of course, like those are good things. Like I don't think it's, you know, I think it's wise to like live in community and be helpful, but it can't be at the detriment to yourself. And I think sometimes that message gets muddied a little bit and we take it as if I do anything for myself, if I invest in myself, if I, you know, do this thing when I should be taking care of my kid instead or whatever, then, um, you know, I think that's like the trope that we're working with. And then, you know, the guilt and the shame and then the, oh, I'm bad. I'm selfish. I'm spoiled. I'm a brat. All these things. I'm a bitch. You know, all these things start playing out. And then we just, you know, we feel uncomfortable. We don't feel loved. We don't feel safe. We don't feel like we belong. And so then we just give all of that up and then just say, okay, whatever you need, I will do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I definitely feel like I internalize a lot of that people pleasing as a, as a child. We, we do teach little girls to be, you know, kind and sweet. And, you know, I saw my own mom kind of putting herself last all the time. And that was, that's what moms were, and they moms still probably do that. And it's not, it's not like it's, you know, bad necessarily, but you have to like balance it out, you know? So that's really interesting. So what are some of the ways that women can identify those things within themselves and start to do some healing around it? Yeah. So I think one of the best ways to do that is let's say you're in a relationship or you're whether, or, or you're just dating, right. And you're feeling like, oh, this person, I don't know if they like me. You're feeling that anxious feeling, whatever, whatever it, however it feels, however it plays out. The question to ask yourself immediately is when have I felt like this before? Or what does this remind me of? Mm. And nine times out of 10, it will take you back to something in childhood. Now, sometimes people might think, oh, well, this reminds me of my ex, or this reminds me of this last relationship that I was in. And that's all fine and well, but I will say that Previous relationships from adulthood are more often not, more often than not just manifestations of the deeper core wounding. So I re- that's why I really encourage my clients to go far back as you can. It doesn't have to be until like you're two, but definitely like, you know, pre 12 years old. Now, of course, there's going to be exceptions to the rule. You know, if there was any kind of big event, big life change that happened, you know, in your teens, even twenties, you know, such as a death, divorce, any kind of like big financial trauma, anything like that will obviously have an effect an impact as well. But I want to really just go back to where, you know, the formative beliefs you started creating, um, you know, when did that happen? How did that happen? And what did you learn? Because 
ultimately, like we only know what we know, right? And so mm-hmm. the way that we're raised, you know, it, it takes a while for you to realize when you're a kid, like, oh, you mean not all families are like this? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it took me a while to realize, oh, you mean not all families sit in silence at dinner every night? Like, <laughs> you know, and so once I was able to really realize that, I'm like, okay, so what did this specific experience I have what did that make me believe about myself, men, women, love, relationships? And then from there, you know, we've got to do the inner child work and, you know, that can be something we can get into, but it's really just the first step is really just to begin connecting the dots and creating some awareness. Now, I will say that for your listeners who have had some sort of very obvious big life change or trauma, especially when you're younger, it it might feel more obvious to you, like, especially if there was any kind of abuse or neglect, divorce, um, a big move, if your family was really wealthy and they weren't really wealthy, or if you um, were, you know, in poverty, you know, all of these things are going to feel a little bit more obvious. Um, But even, I mean, first of all, this applies to everyone. um, But even if you feel like you had a really good relationship with your parents, or they had a really healthy relationship, or at least from the outside, everything, you know, seemed well, this still applies to you because we're raised by humans who are imperfect and they have their own wounding and their own limiting beliefs. And they got, that got imposed on us as kids. It doesn't mean they're bad people or bad parents or that, you know, everything was a farce. Like you thought your childhood was great, and all of a sudden it was a shit show. Like, no, like (laughs) it can still be a really wonderful, beautiful, you know, family unit, but there's still just going to be, you know, stuff there to, to unpack because again, we're raised by humans who are imperfect. Yeah. And that's a really good point too, because it doesn't, yeah, it doesn't have to mean anything like any, anyone raising children is going to make mistakes if you want to call them that, but we all have room for growth. We can all look back on our journeys and see where we can learn from things and where we maybe internalize things. And yeah, sometimes for a kid, like hearing, hearing something one time, especially if it's, you know, super negative or, or, you know, elicits a strong emotion can really stick with you. And that person who said that thing to you has no idea. So totally. Yeah. It's funny when I was growing up, I thought we were poor because my mom has a scarcity mindset around money. Mm -hmm. And so there was never enough and like always worried about it. So I thought we were poor when we were growing up and we were definitely not poor you know, but like when I'm five years old, what do I know about what it means to be poor or not poor? And then once I got older, I was like, oh my God, like we weren't poor growing up (laughs) or poor at all. And so I had to, you know, unpack around my own money story. Mm -hmm. Uh, Same with my body, right? Like the women in my family cared very much about what other women and girls in the family, what their bodies looked like. And so I had to do a lot of unpacking around that. And, and look, like if you looked from the outside, looking in, like my family was great. And in, in a lot of ways, like it was a really good privileged experience. Um, but that doesn't mean there's still not stuff to unpack that didn't create some, you know, difficulties in adulthood around my own vulnerability and ability to be, you know, in a deep authentic relationship. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, what were some of the things that helped you with your journey? Are there any like specific tools, modalities that you like to use to do some of that inner child work or just to like do some reprogramming? Yeah. So I would say inner child work is the main tool. So when I work with clients, I, um, I use my deep work, deep love model, which basically looks like the Maslow hierarchy of needs. So if you can imagine like the pyramid and like the bottom of the pyramid or the bottom rung mm-hmm. is like food, water, shelter, and the top is self-actualization. So I like to think of it in that way as well. So a lot of times when we're going after transformation, whether it's in our relationships and dating 
or whether it's in our body or health or career or whatever it is, a lot of times we try to use willpower and we hang out at what I call the top of the pyramid, which is like the physical. And that can be things like, okay, next time I'm going to not ignore these red flags and I'm going to, you know, say no or break up with a person earlier or not fall for it or whatever it is, or I'm only going to eat 1500 calories a day, right? Like this is all willpower, right? These are all the things that we try to do differently to try to create different experiences in our life. Now, obviously, if we want change, we do have to do things differently in our life. But a lot of times transformation gets stuck because we're just hanging out at the top of the pyramid. Mm -hmm. So we have to do is we have to start at the bottom of the pyramid first and then work our way up. So it's kind of the opposite of what, you know, a lot of, of what a lot is out there. So So the bottom rung is the spiritual. And this piece is just having some sort of trust or belief in something bigger than yourself. So if you call it God, it can be God. If it's the universe, it can be the universe. If if it's just like the divine or whatever it is, it doesn't matter what it is. But I do think that we need to have some sort of trust that we're exactly where we need to be and that we're on some sort of soul journey, soul healing, and it's all... I don't want to say it's all part of the process, but it's just all our, all all for our learning, all for Mm -hmm. our growth. Because I think that if we don't have this foundational piece, I think we end up getting, um, you know, because, because as I'm sure, you know, personal growth is, is bumpy and it's not always Mm -hmm. a smooth ride up, right? Like sometimes really well. And then it's like, (laughs) what just happened? Like, I don't understand. I feel like I just took three steps back. And so those, those moments are normal. They're always going to be there. They're never going to go away. And so I think we do have to have something to lean back on. And so the next rung up is the emotional piece. And this is where I spend probably, I don't know, 80% of the time with my clients. And this is really where inner child work comes into play. And inner child work is basically just reparenting and doing the healing work with our inner child. So the inner five-year-old who thought she had to look a certain way um, so that she she can begin to feel differently about herself. So if, you know, a 10 year old feels like, oh, it's not safe to share what I really think because that could set off mom or dad's temper tantrum or whatever, then we have to go in and heal that so that she can begin to feel safe to express her needs, to set boundaries, to say how she really feels without fear of repercussions. And then the next rung beyond that is the mental. And this is where I do see a lot of people do spend some time here in addition to the physical and the mental are things like affirmations and mantras and, um, you know, EFT trying to tell ourselves different things and different stories to believe. And again, like this is important, but our emotions create our thoughts. So if we only try to change what we're thinking through affirmations or mantras, mm-hmm. then we're really just like, it's like working on the house without actually checking the foundation to see mm-hmm. how the foundation's doing, right? And so once we start healing some of the emotions, then sometimes the beliefs and the limiting, the limiting beliefs specifically just begin to shift organically because how you feel is beginning to shift. And so that can't not change some of the things that you think about yourself or men or women or relationships or love or whatever. And then when your beliefs shift, then your actions, the physical piece, the top part of the pyramid gradually begins to shift as well. And again, we might have to make a little effort to take some conscious action, like setting a boundary or saying no when it might feel scary. But I do, I do find with my clients that a lot of the stuff begins to happen organically when you move from the, you know, the bottom of the pyramid up because 
um, again, like you're just, you're, you're starting from the bottom, you're working with the emotions, which dictates the beliefs, the beliefs dictate the actions, right? And so you're actually working with your energy and with yourself rather than trying to like catapult yourself into, you know, some new situation where you really don't have the emotional skills to deal with something. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I love that because it makes so much sense how you like talk about that pyramid because it's just like, like we said with the affirmations, that's like a conscious level thing. And that's only like 12% of, of our, of our mind really is the conscious. Mm -hmm. Everything else is underneath the surface, really controlling our life. So that makes so much sense to like work from the bottom up and yeah. And yeah. Just, and just to give you a, um, a concrete example, cause sometimes I know, like, I mean, look, I'm all about the woo and everything, but I also really want to make sure that people can see how this like has very tangible, real, you know, um, effects. So let's say there's a part of you that believes that, um, you know, that just, or just doesn't feel good enough. Like you just kind of feel, you know, like there's something wrong with you. And so that can of course create a whole set of beliefs. And so then your actions are, you know, let's say you're then swiping on Bumble or whatever, or Tinder or whatnot. Who do you think you might swipe right on versus swipe left on? Right. I can't tell you how many of my clients are like, well, I just never get really excited about anybody that I'm meeting on Bumble. And I'm like, well, who are you swiping right or left on? And they're like, well, you know, I definitely swipe down, you know, which is something people have a lot of shame around, but like, it's definitely a thing. So if you do it, it's, it's totally okay. Um, and I'm like, okay, so you can totally see how if someone didn't have that belief that something was wrong with them, mm. or that they're inherently like, you know, less than, or just, you know, maybe they're just not meant for the kind of love that, you know, the Obamas have or whatever, um, that's going to have a direct impact on, you know, who they think they can be with. And they might not swipe right on people that they deem out of their league, so mm -hmm. to speak. Right. And so it really does have a direct impact. Your, your feelings really have a direct impact on ultimately the life that you create. Now, look, I'm not saying that like, you can never feel bad. Right. I'm not like a high vibes only person. Like if you feel sad or you feel angry about someone or something, like you should definitely release that because otherwise it's going to fester. I'm saying that overall, if you just have like a negative emotional viewpoint towards yourself or what you're capable of or what you deserve, then that will have an impact. Um, you know, on the patterns that you create and then the life that ultimately you have. Yeah. I feel like that kind of goes into self-sabotage too. So what do you see with women who maybe don't allow relationships to feel good? Like when they're in the relationship or in their, they're in the dating phase or whatever, do you feel like sometimes people are like kind of looking for problems or looking for drama without realizing it to sabotage that opportunity? Yeah. So, um, so I actually have, I, I created a quiz where I, I think there's four main, you know, kind of not personalities, but just four main blocks that I see a lot in uh, women who are dating and self-sabotaging is definitely one of them for sure. Um, and so the pattern is you're just, someone seems like they're great, but you're like, Hmm, I don't know about you. What's the catch? Like, what, what are your real intentions? Right. That's like a phrase that I hear a lot. And so they'll just look for, for anything mm -hmm. and for anything to be a reason as to confirm and their, their fear or their belief that, yep, this person has bad intentions. This person only wants sex. And look, sometimes like it really is a red flag that should be addressed in the form of a conversation or just simply ending whatever the relationship was. But a lot of times it's just, yeah, it's just that it's just like looking for something in order to be right because confirmation bias is definitely a real thing. And, you know, the reason that we do this is a lot of things we definitely have to, you know, if you're feeling like nervous or scared, um, 
that's not the right word. If you're feeling a lot of fear about the relationship, then this would be a time where I'd be like, okay, so what does this remind you of? What does this fear that you're feeling with this person or dating this person remind you of? And then that can be a long-term way in which we can address the self-sabotage, right? Not long, long-term, but like not necessarily a quick fix, but definitely will get us on the path of like, let's look at this self-sabotage pattern. But ultimately the reason why it happens is because, and this is an idea uh, that came from Gay Hendricks about the idea of the upper limit, right? We are, we have a limit. We all have a limit on how much love and money and all this kind of stuff that we're willing to receive, meaning what we think we're worthy of, right? And so once we hit that upper limit, like, nope, this is all the love I can, I can handle, then we'll do things to keep ourselves below that limit. And so when we do the inner child work and the, and the deep work and follow the deep work, um, the deep work, deep love framework that I just talked about, we slowly begin to raise that, um, that upper limit. And so that we're able to accept more love um, and, you know, more whatever else, health, money, whatever it is, um, because our worthiness is also going up in turn. Yeah. Yeah. I remember that when I met my husband, it was a long time ago, but I was like 19. I remember thinking like, there must be something wrong, like to almost feeling like it was too good to be true. So there must be something wrong. Right. And then like looking for problems and creating problems where there were none and all of that. Um, Another thing that I get asked a lot is, okay, I'm like dating this guy. Maybe I've been with this guy for a while, whatever it is. How do I know if I should marry him? How do I know if he's the one? And it kind of goes into all this because it's like, well, am I trying to make him the one or is he, what do you kind of, how do you guide people with that? Yeah. So there's a few different things. And honestly, it it somewhat does depend on what the inner child wounding is and like what that person's specific patterning is, because there could be a number of things coming up, right? Because there could be like the can't be single ever. And so I'm willing to maybe compromise on myself so that I don't end up being single right? It could also be a codependency, like it could be all sorts of things. But in general, I would say a few things. One is, and this is just my belief, you don't have to accept this, but I really think that the idea of the one is really, really detrimental. Uh, because I mean, that's just kind of, I don't know, to me, that's just like kind of crazy talk. Like how can there possibly be just the one? So here's, here's what I believe. I believe that everybody that comes into our life is a soulmate, whether it's one date or, or with that person for 20 plus years, they were a soulmate for that moment in time. Meaning that our soul had, sorry about that. (laughs) I don't know if you heard that was my dog going crazy. Our soul has something to learn in that moment, whether again, it was that one date or the 20 plus years that we were with that person. And so I think that if we focus on that rather than focus on, is this person the one, like my soulmate, my whatever, then I think you're just putting so much pressure on yourself that you can't really come to an intuitive knowing, right? And the only way to come to an intuitive knowing is to clear all of the you know, madness going up in our head, right? We have to be able to clear out our minds. And so if you take the pressure off and you're like, I really love this person. We have a really wonderful relationship. And as far as I can see, I don't want to, you know, end this relationship with this person. And there might be a day when this relationship completes, when it hits its expiration date. And if that day comes, you know, we'll deal with it and I'll deal with it. We'll deal with it. Um, And you know, that's just the way it's going to be. Cause I, I just don't think it's helpful to think, oh my God, is this the person? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, it's almost, it's like, no, well, that kind of leads into something else I wanted to talk about, but it's like, 
no one's perfect. Like, I'm not perfect. You're not perfect. No guy is perfect either. We're all human. Like no one's going to meet every single and the, the perfect guy could be very different for one person or another person. So it's all just the idea of a perfect soulmate person is just kind of an illusion anyways. Totally. And I think that's a really important point because I do think that we put you know, I'm often asked like, oh, am I being too picky? And like mm-hmm. a really hard question to answer sometimes, because in general, I think that especially as women, we need to ask for more. <laughs> yeah. Again, like we said in an earlier conversation, we're just giving, 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 giving. But at the same time, I do think that we put too much of an expectation on our partner that they're supposed to be like our best friend who's going to watch the bachelor with us. And then they're going to be our lover. And then they're going to be like this and this and this and this and this and all these things to us. And no one person, including your romantic partner or even your life partner can be everything. And so this is a little bit of like a guess and check process. You do have to get clear on what is actually important that I have for my romantic partner, you know, my partner in life versus what can I get from other, you know, relationships that I'll have meaning like platonic relationships, like friendships, coworkers, you know, all of that kind of stuff. You know, I had a friend who well, actually, technically he's not really a friend. He's an ex <laughs> and he was, he was dating someone after me. And I, I was really hurt because he wasn't dating someone who, and this is going to sound really bad, but she just wasn't as into, I, we met him in the academic world. He just wasn't into, she wasn't as into academics, you know, like the higher academic, like learn, uh, master's PhD kind of world, you know, that I was in. And I was like, oh my God, that really hurts my soul. You know what I mean? And the truth is, is that he can get that need that for that kind of academic kind of conversations and relationships from his colleagues and from his professors and whatever he didn't need to get from a romantic partner. And that's totally fine. Even though of course it hurt my ego, (laughs) but it's really like, that's allowed, you know, that doesn't make him a bad person or the relationship bad. Girl, let me take a moment real quick to tell you about the latest healthy hack that's made its way into my life. A couple months ago, I was searching for K-cups that were half-calf and I couldn't find anything. I love coffee and I sometimes need a second cup in the afternoon, but too much caffeine makes it hard for me to fall asleep at night. I'm out here trying to live my best life and sustainable energy is a huge part of that. When I finally found Four Sigmatic Mushroom Coffee, I was like, okay, let me give this a try. It has half a cup of organic coffee and then the magical part is mushroom extracts. Chaga mushroom and lion's meat are added for a boost of energy without the crash of coffee and immune support too. I was definitely skeptical at first because I really didn't expect it to taste very good. And I also thought that it wouldn't energize me the way that coffee does, but it totally did. And I don't experience the crash right after lunch like I did with regular coffee. So if you're ready to give it a try, head to the link in the show notes and use code CANDID for 10% off. Full disclaimer, I found and tried this coffee on my own, unsolicited, and then decided to partner up with them. This is a product I genuinely love and I wanted to share because I'm a believer that too much caffeine really can contribute to energy crashes and anxiety. So once again, that code is CANDID and you're saving 10%. Yeah, I think that's such an important thing to touch on because we do expect our guy or our girl or whoever it is that we're with to be everything for us, to be our, you know, yeah, to do, to have all the same hobbies as us and all the same interests and like all the same shows. And um, another thing I get asked a lot is like, you know, people who listen to this podcast tend to be into the spiritual stuff, the manifestation. And um, a lot of, I mean, my husband included, like, he's just not into, he doesn't meditate with me. He's not interested in going on a spiritual retreat. Like, that's fine. He can be who he is, but, um, yeah, people want their 
spouse to be like into that stuff too. And it's like, maybe it's okay if you have guys have separate interests and maybe that's even, it could be a good thing too. Generally, there's a few things that I would say. I would say one, spirituality and personal growth can look like a lot of different things. And what we often consider those things, and by we, I mean women, is within an industry that is for women by women. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And so I think that's really, really important to understand. Like, why would, you know, why would my husband be interested in what Martha Beck's saying? You know what I mean? Like, she's Mm -hmm. great, but like, she definitely speaks to women. Like, let's be honest. I'm not saying there's not men who don't follow her, but like, you know what I mean? Like, it's just not the target audience. And so they're like, this isn't for me. So I think that's one thing that I think is really important to, to, to look at. And then piggybacking off, piggybacking off of that is again, there's lots of different ways that you can, I mean, why do we meditate? Why do we do this journaling? Why do we do these spiritual things? It's so that we can show up in the way we want to show up for ourselves, for our families, for our partner, for our friends, all of those things. And if there's more than one way to do that, you know, you know, my husband, for example, he, he does a lot of woodworking. And so of course you have to get into your creative, creative, like zone to, to do that. And for anyone who is interested in feminine masculine energy and how that can play into this, of course, you can see how you know, it's, it's basically doing the same thing. You have to let go of like, this must be right. I have to do this like, and you just have to be creative and like, see what you can make and like have fun and be willing to make mistakes and, you know, have to start over and all that kind of stuff. And like, how is that so different from some of the personal development that, you know, we might do and what we consider to be quote unquote personal development. So we don't do all of this stuff just for the sake of it. We do it because of the bigger picture, because of the life we want to have and the relationships we want to have. And so if someone's able to meet you there, but maybe just down a different path, then for me, at least I'm cool with that. Like, I don't need, you know, my guy to go to all these spiritual retreats. And in some ways it's like, you stay home, you have fun. I'm going to go off with my girlfriends and we're going to go to the spirit. You know what I mean? So like when, when I was dating, I had, I don't remember exactly what I had in my profile, but I had something about being a yoga teacher and like into yoga. And then I took it off because I kept getting all these yogi dudes oh messing me. And I was just like, you know, what? I think I want yoga to be my thing in the relationship. Like I want to go to yoga class and not feel like, Oh God, I wonder if he wants to come with me. He probably wants to, like, I wanted to be my you know, oasis that's for me away from the relationship. Now, again, that's a personal preference. Like if you have a listener that really, really wants their partner to go to all these spiritual retreats, like I want to, I want you to hold that for yourself. I'm talking to the people thinking like, oh my God, is my relationship going to last because my guy is not in personal development. And I just want you to know, know that yes, (laughs) as long as your person, um, uh, respects what you do. And, and, um, you know, I meditate in the morning. So my husband takes the baby for about 20 minutes and like, no questions about it. Like, that's just how it is. You know what I mean? And so that's, that's all I need. And so he respects that. And he knows that it's really important to me. Uh, so if you don't have that kind of dynamic, then, you know, we've got some other problems, but I would say that the problems are much, much deeper than the fact that you're in a personal development and he's not. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. It would be different if maybe, maybe if the person doesn't have any respect for your, your spirituality and, and like makes fun of it, like that could be a whole separate thing. Um, So let's say that's probably showing up in other areas of the relationship as well. Totally. Yeah. And earlier this year, I heard someone say, and I'm going to butcher this, but they very eloquently said like, 
true love is wanting for the other person what they want for themselves, something like that, like, like respecting their your differences and respecting like your different hobbies and your different things. And I started to think, oh, I kind of don't do that with my husband. Like sometimes I kind of make fun of his hobbies and his <laughs> interests and, you know, like I express that I think it's weird, you know, why do I do that? Like that. Well, I think that depending on the agreements that you have in your relationship, I don't think there's necessarily anything wrong with that necessarily. Like, I'm not saying there's not, but I think some light poking, you know, fun of, I think could be just fun and, and flirty. Um, but again, like only if it feels, if it feels good, right? Like, so sometimes Stevie will poke fun at me because like, I'll do some weird thing because like, you know, there's an eclipse or because yeah. Mercury's about to go in retrograde and, and he'll be like, you know, he'll just, he'll just say something funny and, but it's fine. But if he was like really going at it, that would be, that would be a whole different story. And that's not within the agreements that we've set up in our relationship. And I'm sure I poke fun at him and stuff. I just can't think of anything off the top of my head, but I definitely do. Like, let's, I'm not trying to be like <laughs> a little Miss Perfect here, but again, like, I'm not like really digging in where I'm just like, really like, cause you know, when you, when you know someone really well, whether you're married to them or been dating them, you know how to push their buttons. Right. Mm -hmm. And so Stevie could definitely push my buttons if he wanted to, but he doesn't want to because, you know, ideally we're not married to people like that. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and, and so, yeah, I, I just think some light poking around, you know, can just be, it, it can be flirty, but again, there has to be some agreement around it so that everyone feels like it's okay. Absolutely. Yeah. Like, sure. Like if you're going to go and like put your crystals outside in the moonlight, like, sure. Like a guy could. Yeah. Cause I almost make fun of myself for doing that. I'm like, I don't know. Yeah, same. I don't know if it says anything, but <laughs> everyone's doing Instagram so I'm just gonna do it <laughs> right but sometimes I feel like um like if if I want to spend money on which I do personal development you know retreats and coaches and like all the things that I invest in that maybe my husband doesn't understand for me it feels good to say oh well I don't want to question him spending money on things that I don't understand right like if he wants to buy like he's really into guns like cool. I don't get it, but you do you. And I see, I think that's been really helpful for me, like looking at it that way too, like versus if I was like, well, no, you shouldn't do that. Cause that's stupid. Well, he could yeah. say the same thing about me, you know, buying a digital course about whatever. So yeah, it's kind yeah of like I, I think that comes down to trust in the relationship, you know, like I'm like, I, I even will say to him sometimes, you don't have to agree with me, but I just need you to trust me. Mm -hmm. Yeah, totally. Okay. So I mean, I do think that's true. We don't, we don't have to agree with our partners. Like I don't agree yeah. with my partner that he thinks that fantasy football is awesome, <laughs> <laughs> right. but I give him a space, like I accept it and he has fun yeah. and it's a way for him to keep in touch with all of his buddies. And so whatever, I don't agree with it, but whatever, <laughs> it's fine. Absolutely. Yeah. And like letting go of the need to control everything the other person yeah. does and their hobbies and all their things. Totally. Totally. So kind of going off of that, so we, we know that nobody's perfect and we have to accept some things and we have to choose our battles and relationships and not let everything be a huge deal. How do we, how do you recommend people balance that? But we're also not spiritual bypassing. We're not just painting a happy picture yeah. on everything. Yeah. Yeah. I think this is a really great question. And I think this comes up both in committed relationships, but I think it can absolutely come, come up when you're dating. Um, you're like, oh, well, this doesn't really feel great. He said he was gonna text me on Friday, then he did it. You know, like, it's okay. He's busy as kids or whatever. And we can, again, bypass 
you know, that. So, so I think this is applicable no matter what, you know, someone's relationship status is, you know, who, who might be listening. Um, you know, and again, like this can be very, very individual and it really just comes back down to how does it feel for you? If it feels, and here's how, you know, like if it's something coming from the head that you're trying to convince yourself of, um, versus like, it's truly, you know, a boundary, uh, you know, being crossed or whatever. So if there's a lot of, um, if there's a lot of story in the head, like there's a lot of words of trying to justify that's your head. Okay. That's your head. If you're just getting like this gut feeling, like this doesn't feel right. And there's no, maybe there is, or there isn't any kind of logic behind it or reasoning. It's just that this doesn't feel right. That's your intuition being like something isn't right. Do you know what I mean? And so I think that's really what you have to do is you have to be able to kind of do a gut check, but separate the actual gut check from the stories in your head that might be trying to justify, um, you know, why it's actually okay. The boundary got crossed, even though it's not okay, but we're trying to justify it. Right. Mm -hmm. And this takes time. And this, I mean, everything goes back to inner child work, but this absolutely goes back to inner child work. And again, it's going to play out different depending on what your upbringing and what your specific core wounding is, but just a, you know, kind of a general example. Like if you were, if you were used to either, God, there's so many ways this could play out. Um, but you could have been kind of like the caretaker when you were younger, you could have been trying to take care of your parents, either physically or emotionally, or you could have been taking care of any younger siblings. Um, or you could have been just trying to like be super, super helpful so that you could get, you know, your parents' attention or their love or whatever, you know, this is all going to be, um, you know, obviously bypassing your, your boundaries over and over and over again. And so, you know, if something like that is coming up in the relationship or you're, you're playing that out and you kind of feel that same kind of energy, that same kind of drain, then what you have to do again, like there's always the inner work and then there's always the outer work. So the outer work is setting the boundary. But if you just go and try to set the boundary, like, Hey, this isn't really working for me, or I need this, then it's probably going to explode in your face because you haven't done the inner work underneath because what happens when you then start a bound or try to set a boundary with someone who's not used to having boundaries with you, you're almost always going to be called like, what's your problem? You're going to be called a, um, a bitch or selfish or uptight or just all of these things that women are told in order to just keep being small. Right. Mm -hmm. And so you have to do the inner work. I mean, I would say first, but of course there's exceptions to every rule, but generally you have to do the inner work first so that when you do go set the boundary, you have a little bit of footing to stand on and be like, no, actually I'm not being selfish. Uh, or so you have the ability to not just set the boundary because that's one thing, but to then later enforce it as, you know, you keep being in this relationship or things keep playing out. So I don't remember your original question, but <laughs> oh yeah. Like how, how do you know if it's, or how do you set that? I don't, I don't remember your original question is, but I hope this answered it. Um, ultimately it really, I mean, it, it does depend on exactly where the leaky boundary is coming from, but you do want to figure out where it's coming from. So you can, um, yeah, I guess kind of get yourself that customized inner work that you need to try to shift it. Mm hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And, and like, there might also be a part of like, 
you know, I've been through phases where I can, I can look back and be like, I was looking for drama and problems. And, you know, I was looking at the glass half full. So everything felt like a big deal and everything mm-hmm. would give, I'd give a big reaction to things because they were a big deal. So mm-hmm. is, is part of it, do you think like kind of training your mind to be, be more accepting of things and be more okay and, and be more positive, like kind of like on maybe the higher end of that, like you have like your pyramid, maybe the top part more with like the affirmations and stuff, but you've got to dig into the inner work first. Yeah. I mean, I would say that that, you know, to me, what comes to my mind is just an inner little girl who, you know, didn't get attention unless she was you know, mm-hmm. making some sort of big show, you know, or unless she was like performing in the form of like soccer goals or straight A's or whatever. And so I think the inner work would have to start with, you know, your inner child really feeling that she was worthy of love no matter what. Um, and, and give her that attention that she probably didn't feel that she was getting unconditionally. So the thing is, is that as humans, we all need to feel love, safety, and belonging. And this is just like, flat out. Like this is what we need to feel. And so if we don't feel those three things, we're going to do whatever it takes to feel those things. So sometimes it can be like numbing out. Sometimes it can be kind of overperforming. It could be taking care of other people. It could be the yes girl. It can be all sorts of things in order for us to feel accepted, like we're loved and like we're safe, like physically safe, but then also emotionally safe. And so as we get older, we have to look, especially if we're not thrilled with the state of our relationships, our dating, we have to look back and say, okay, how am I getting these three things? Safety, love, love, safety, and belonging. And, um, and if you're still getting them in the way that your inner child or your younger self did, and it's not creating the results that you like, like, again, like if you have like a people pleasing pattern, for example, then you have to reparent yourself through lots and lots and lots of love and self-compassion um, so that she begins to see that there's another way to get love, safety, and belonging. And it's a more vulnerable way for sure. Um, but it's the only way to get what she really wants, because if you keep trying to get it the other way through people pleasing, for example, that's just like a bottomless pit that you'll never actually be able to fill. Yeah, that's so interesting. I love how you teach how you teach too that it's it's kind of about like going deep in us because I feel like a lot of times when I'm working with clients and the relationship things come up, it's like, well, how do I make him change? And it's like <laughs> start with making someone else change. Like that's you know what I mean. Yeah. So I love that you are just so there's so much wisdom in you for that deep inner child work, and I I so agree that that's where it all starts. Yeah, totally. And in terms of like, how do I make someone change? Well, we can't. Right, yes. <laughs> uh, that's just, that's just a non-starter. Um, but we can, I don't want to say change ourselves because that's definitely the wrong connotation, but we can shift some things within ourselves that allow us to show up better. And then our partner may or may not be able to show up than in the way we need them to. And that's really, really scary for people to do. And I think the reason why some people avoid doing this kind of work because they're like, I don't want to know the answer, you know, like I don't want to grow apart because that's obviously really scary. And that's a fear I had. Like, I totally understand that. I get it. Um, but we have to start with ourselves first and then you might be surprised, right? Like when, you know, I was really, really scared. Cause like, I'm always, you know, I've always been in personal development ever since I was like, can read. Um, I've just always loved this idea of like human potential. And, Mm -hmm. and so while I've always been into it and interested by it, you know, it's really been a huge part of my life, you know, probably, you know, I don't know, 
for the past seven or eight years or so. And so I'm all, I was always afraid, especially at the beginning of my relationship with my husband, that I was just going to grow and I was just going to grow right on, you know, by him. And so I think I, I definitely sabotaged myself in a little bit, you know, in a lot of ways so that I wouldn't, you know, accidentally <laughs> grow past him. And then I was like, you know what, I can't live like this anymore. Cause it's really awful. Mm-hmm. And so I just dove in head first and, you know, look like, you know, we're not, we're a relationship. We're not perfect. Um, no one is, but I've been very pleasantly surprised about how he's still able to meet me exactly where I need him to be. And I can meet him where he needs me to be. And that's without him, you know, doing meditation and journaling and, (laughs) but there's a risk, right? There's a risk because it could have not ended up that way. Right. Mm -hmm. For sure. Um, but I think ultimately if we don't take that risk, then we're never going to be truly, um, happy in the relationship because we're not going to feel as expressed, um, and actualized ourselves. Absolutely. I love that so much. I could talk to you for hours. I find you so interesting. Um, I just have one more question. So my community loves to read and I feel like you have some good um, book ideas for us. Do you have any recommendations around like love, relationships, dating books, your favorites? Oh, that's so interesting because I, um, look, this is gonna make me sound really bad, but I, I, I'm kind of weary around self-help books because <laughs> a lot of them are like good vibes only or um, you know, have really focused on like forgiveness and forgiving others as a way to healing. And I just think there's a lot of bypassing. Mm. I um, really, really into feeling however you feel. So, you know, pretty much the first assignment I give all of my clients, maybe 99% of them is to just have like some anger rages and let themselves just feel angry and pissed, whether it's the world, God, their exes, parents, whoever it is, because like that just lives inside and just, you know, needs to get out. But anyways, um, but I do think there are a few good books. Um, I think that, well, my clients really like, uh, what's the book attached. They really like that. I've read it. I like it. My only concern with, I, I recommend it like 80%. 80%. And my 20% hesitation is sometimes people become overly attached to whatever they are. So like a lot of, you know, a lot of women, so my guess is probably a higher percentage of women listening to this. And certainly my, in my audience too, are anxiously attached. And so um, they'll overly identify with I'm anxiously attached rather than I have anxious attachment tendencies. And so when we over-identify, like, it's not just semantics, when we over-identify with something, I think it can just really be a detriment to healing. At the same time, I think that book does do a really good job of explaining, you know, why you're experiencing what you're experiencing in your love life, especially if you do have more anxious attachment tendencies. Um, I really love Louise Hay. She's not obviously a relationship person per se, but I just think that, you know, she's the real deal. I really like the big leap by Gay Hendricks. Um, I, I mentioned his work earlier, um, in the episode and, um, and then I also just really recommend like kind of turning off the, you know, sometimes I feel like all of the self-help consumption we do, whether it's in the form of books or whatever, um, can just be like a fire hydrant rather than like the fountain of knowledge. (laughs) And I do think there is a time and place to learn and to hear from experts hundred percent. But I also think sometimes we just need to like not listen to another podcast and just go on a walk and like listen to the birds and, uh, and that kind of stuff. There's a, there's a term, 
I first heard it from my business coach, Rachel Cook. I don't know if she made it up or not, but the idea is edutaining, you know? Yeah, like yeah. Listening to all the things and rather than just like working with a therapist or working with the coach, you can see your blind spots and be like, yeah, I know there's all this other junk out here and all this information, but that doesn't apply to you. Let's just do this, you know? Yeah, and like, and you I think there's so, so, so much value in that. And so, you know, a lot of my clients come to me after they've been quote unquote, edutaining themselves for yeah. <laughs> quite some time. They're like, just forget all the noise and let's just do this one thing. Right. Um, and, and I just think that that can't be um, overstated. You said about feeling what you're feeling. And a lot of the things that we hear are more of the like high vibes, high vibes only, gratitude, all of that, which definitely has its place, but um, not if you're not doing the shadow work and the inner sure. child work and totally. pulling out and like crying when you need to cry and being angry when you need to be angry. Yeah. Um, it needs to be said over and over and over again to anyone who's listening to personal development that you're, you probably are spiritual bypassing if you're not regularly doing the shadow work and, and totally. feelings. Oh, I, I 100% agree. 100% yeah. agree. Yeah. And there's sometimes this guilt that goes along with, you know, so people say, well, I feel guilty for feeling my feelings. And it's like, but that's, you have to feel them to free them. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And that's just like the patriarchal programming plus whatever inner child programming that we have going on inside. Yeah. Well, tell us where we can find you, how we can work with you, how we can listen to your podcast. Yeah. So my podcast is called the love life connection and I bring on uh, audience members and clients onto the show and I actually coach them live. Um, we don't edit the episodes or at least those portions of the episode. So if you want to hear what inner child work sounds like. Um, I recommend listening to, um, yeah, I, I recommend listening to the podcast. It's the love life connection. And then I have a love block quiz, which will help you identify some of your block tendencies in relationships. So you can grab that at veronicagrant.com forward slash quiz. And yeah, I take clients on a rolling basis. So if you're interested in learning more, you can go to veronicagrant.com forward slash coaching. Amazing. I will put your links in the show notes for everyone to grab them. Thank you so much for coming on the show. This has been so insightful and I appreciate your realness and, and all of that. So thank you. Thank you. Thank My you. pleasure. This has been fun. Yeah.